0: Hello, beautiful beings. This is Connectionhood. Hello, beautiful beings, and welcome to Connectionhood. This is our first episode, and we are lucky enough to be having a wonderful conversation with Chris Olivas.
1: Yeah, so the beginning years, I was just so busy, just so busy and so unaware in a lot of ways, you know, what children need. But I definitely knew that I wanted to learn. I wanted to understand why the kids were doing what they did. So I I was always focused on learning and reading books and going to seminars because I wanted to be a better mother.
0: Did you always want to be a mom?
1: In fact, I never had a desire to really do anything else, so I was kind of caught off guard when I had to work. I just wanted to bake cookies and do art projects and have fun with the kids and take them to parks and museums. And, yeah, I just wanted to make Play-Doh and things like that. It was really interesting because I think it was what I wanted to do. I just made sure. So I bought the kids, um, you know, those little books that, you know, for kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And I would sit down and do, you know, a, a little, little study, lessons. little learning lessons. Yeah. And then we would have a little science projects. And we would do art projects and, you know, so there was always things that we were doing and they were very into creating. So I I did do all of that, even though I wanted to do it full time, you know. I got pieces of being able to be full time with the kids, you know, growing up.
0: You mentioned, I don't know, a while back, I guess, crystal children.
1: Oh, yeah. Indigo and crystal children.
0: Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, you know, I never heard of that before, and I had I, for a period of time I would go see psychics and tarot card readers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, so they would they would kind of give me this glimpse of my kids, and I never it didn't really make sense. Like, oh, your child's this or that. And one day, one lady told me that, you know, he's from another star. He came from another planet. You know he's um, and I don't know if she used that word crystal children.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: heard that the indigo kids came in like the 70s, the 60s, and 70s. I th-
0: yeah,
1: and their personalities were a little bit more warrior like, and they were a little bit more like coming here to really change the planet. And then the crystal kids and came next, and they were more loving. They were the 80s, the kids in the 80s, and they just were. Peace, love. They're the ones who really don't have a career plan. <laughs> they just kind of want to just hang out and be, which I've come to accept now is that that there is something to that because they're really here to lift us up with love, with connection. So I was told that about my younger son. And so that's what I kind of looked it up to see what it is and it made sense because he was always very unique and different how he would do things my older son too also did some things are very unique so the kids who are from this other realm are so much more they just are really more connected to the planet they want to be in nature they like crystals they are very compassionate and forgiving they're really sweet people and if we they're born into a family that's very driven to achieve and to get a high GPA and go to the best university and and get the high paying elite job then they often really are pushed out of their own they just kind of lose themselves they'll do it for other they'll do it for the family mm-hmm. they'll do it for the father or mother but they're not really truly happy inside so that's kind of, you know, it's interesting because now when we see that, a lot of times, by the way, they are diagnosed as ADD and ADHD. That's right. They, because they're dreamers, but they're not just dreaming of anything. They have visionary ability to help us, but we are medicating that and, um,
0: it takes away that ability.
1: Yeah. And, and numbs it and dumbs it down. Um, and then they're lost a lot of times they're lost because they didn't get to develop it and really understand what it is that they're doing or feeling.
0: Have you ever gotten their charts drawn up? I have. Um, it's been a while, but I they
1: would come, well, what would happen is anytime I got a psychic reading, I would, of course, they would touch on my kids. And, you know, they would say, oh, do you have kids? And then they would, in a way, talk about them. And so from the earliest years... Um, they seemed to focus on Jordan, and they would say, "Oh, he's so loving. He's so this." And and at that time, he was being maybe a little contrary, a little rebellious, or passive aggressive. And you could hear me in the tape going, "Jordan," you because Jacob <laughs> was so much more of that, you know, like what do you mean this kid, you know? And so I could not see it during all those readings. I could not see it. I see it now. I know now that what they say is true about him. And he was much more loving in terms of affectionate as a baby. Um, so, yeah, I think if you're really attentive, you know, you kind of start to see these unique things. They each Every one of us have a superpower, kind of like X-Men. Each one of us have our unique template that we're here to shine. in. so if you are watching your kids instead of thinking how they're not like someone else's kid or not like how kids should be and you start to notice how your child is, I think you'll start to reflect back to that child their the brilliance you know of their light and then that gets really interesting because then they start to really get confident. Um, and sometimes these kids are really intuitive and they're gonna, they're gonna change the world if we let them. <laughs> yeah well the whole point of them coming is to help change the world. So, and that was one of the interesting reasons when I when I read about the Crystal Kids and Indigos and Rainbow Kids that they came from other their star seeds mm-hmm. who come from other galaxies to lift up the frequency of the planet, which is why they come here with this love and connection, mm-hmm. like you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, and that's all you need to do. Is why you don't have to have the degree or the you know follow that path. Mm-hmm. That path is all about materialism um it's not necessarily what is going to help the planet somebody said that we need to have a happiness index as the determination of a country's success because if the more we sell and more the more we sell of products the more we use up of the earth's resources consumerism capitalism
0: yeah unconsume yourself
1: unconsume yourself don't get too carried away with buying so much You know, allow the child, especially around Christmas, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, really allowing the children to have things that they can focus on and enjoy versus the quantity. And I've seen that happen where once my kid got two or three gifts, he wasn't interested in the others. You kind of like trying to keep shoving the gift at him, like open more, open more. And they've gotten three gifts already. They're either, they want to play with three.
0: Yeah. They don't need a whole 15 or underneath christmas trees worth
1: of... Yeah. Or I've seen them where they open the packages up and keep just throwing the gifts to the side, you know?
0: Maniacs. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, just really just starting to get the kids ground a little bit and play with their toy. And sometimes parents will say that they're, like, so mad because they spent all this money on their toys and the kids aren't playing with them, you know? But you give them one toy and they'll play with it. (laughs) Hopefully. Oh, hopefully. Yeah. Give them some sticks
0: and my 10 month year old is playing with socks yes yes flaps them around it's real excited yes i loved it dirt yes (laughs) forever right now
1: (laughs) i tell you what boxes are the best thing and as they get older just get bigger boxes
0: yeah well you have yeah diaper boxes Mm -hmm. we have galore diaper Mm -hmm. boxes Mm
1: -hmm. yep and then i i remember i left one drawer uh one cabinet that was not baby-proofed, and it had all the Tupperware in it. Mm-hmm. And I'd let Jacob would go in there, and he'd actually crawl in there and close the door. And I'd just wait outside, waiting for him to see what he happened. What would happen? And, and once in a while, I would open the door up and look in there, and he'd be kind of crouched in there. <laughs> and uh, and I just close the door again, and, and then he would pull all the Tupperware out, and then he would play with it for hours. Yeah. So that was a, quite a good bargain on my Tupperware was so mm-hmm. his toys as well.
0: Yeah. You are, I consider successful. You opened a center for counseling and integrative healing. hmm
1: mm-hmm.
0: You went to school. You pursued your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find that? Did you find that path within the beginning stages of motherhood or before motherhood? Did it have anything to do with motherhood?
1: I... I think I always wanted to know more. Like there was this drive in me to educate. I was self-educating for so many years, reading, going to seminars and workshops. Um, I felt the need to go through the educational route, but it was really hard for me because, you know, having having children um, and working. I worked full time. So, I, but I didn't really know what it was. I think I knew it was something along the line of psychology, sociology. But at one point, I went completely off track and went down the business route because I needed to get more more skills in my field. I was in the office. So, you know, I felt like everything was a struggle during those years for me because I didn't know why or what or anything. I was very unconscious in in a lot of ways. There was something in me that was pushing me, but I didn't know what. So I was kind of just doing the best I can during those years. When um, I went through the divorce, I felt in my heart that I would regret. I felt like I would look back on my life and wish I had done it. And still not knowing exactly what it was, but I knew I had to go to college, and I just felt like I had to do it. So I signed up. I went back to school. I was working full time as a sales rep, and pretty demanding job. And um, I went back to school right on the cusp of getting a divorce. So, but I because I had taken on so much responsibility, uh, even when I was married, I didn't. There was no real shift of extra work for me. I felt, in fact, I felt like I had a break because two weeks of the month the kids would go with their dad. So, for me, it was less work. And it wasn't until I got like the last year and a half of my bachelor's degree that I finally got uh, more focus on what I wanted to do because I was on the track to get my Ph.D. in developmental psychology and I had a scholarship and I was doing lots of research, a lot of studies. And I realized I didn't want to do that. I thought it was great. I had that knowledge, but I, I just didn't, it wasn't feeling fulfilling me. And I was worried that I was going to get into another job that I had, I would kind of not really care about. Yeah.
0: Be hard to work. Just
1: do it, you know, but not really fulfilled. And it was a friend of mine who said, go check out the MFT, the marriage and family therapy masters, get a masters. So. I didn't know what that was. I checked into it. And um, when I started school there, I realized when we started learning the philosophy, it was almost like, wow, this is perfect. It was it was absolutely, everything was just right on. I knew that it was what I needed to be studying. So it was just divine intervention, you know, to just help me go there. And um, so then that was really cool because when I got into my master's program, I was absolutely loving it. I was just doing and studying everything that I had been trying to do on my own. And, um, you know, and then, yeah, I would think it was that point that I really, really knew that this is what I want to do. I always knew it was something in the field, and I always was the person everybody wanted to talk to and, you know, that I would I would give advice to and things like that. But I think when I went into the master's program, I, I knew that that was my path and it actually has so it's interesting. so I've gone from that. I went through the internship working with mostly um, disadvantaged foster kids, at risk kids. that was population that I was working with, and I learned a lot about attachment and trauma. And then when I got licensed, I went out of that field. And I start working with a particular modality of couples therapy called emotionally focused therapy, which is working with attachment. And um, so I was working more towards couples work. And somewhere along the line, I start learning some of these trauma techniques that were being used, such as tapping, which is emotional freedom technique. And that started to to push me into this other realm where I was like, "What's this? What's this stuff about energy?" And so all of a sudden, another thing became known to me that there was something else another way to work with the body and i became really very very interested in spirituality but spirituality slash quantum physics mm. so i started to keep, become very interested in how those two work together and what they were mm-hmm. and then how we use those the knowledge of the, of energy and frequency and how do we work with that, our spiritual growth and our emotional and physical well-being and so that has happened probably in the last everything's happening so fast now um that would i would say that that transition started to happen when i opened the center because i knew i wanted to have an integrative center and i but i was thinking i'll just pull in all these other practitioners i'll be the psychotherapist I didn't Mm -hmm. think I'm going to be the integrative therapist. I Mm -hmm. thought I would be the psychotherapist, and I'll have these other practitioners who do all these different types of modalities, and that would be the integrative healing center. Um, But what's actually happened is I am an integrative therapist now, and I'm actually partnering with another practitioner in the center, and we're developing protocols and developing ways to work with people um, for body, mind, and spirit. That's Um,
0: amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's just all just coming together now.
0: That's why a lot of us need.
1: Yeah. And it's faster. And aren't aware of that. Yes. Yes. We're very, I, I heard this or read this somewhere recently, and it's so true. We are very traumatized people.
0: Very traumatized. Very I traumatized. mean, Generations and mm-hmm. generations. Mm-hmm. We are changing that now. Yeah. By what? You're doing what I'm doing, what your children are doing. Mm-hmm. We are stopping that negative family blueprint and yeah. changing things for the better, taking away the negative and creating positive examples for yeah. our loved ones. It's it, time, it's, massive healing. Yeah,
1: and it's so necessary because what happens is when you're unaware of all of that trauma that's coming down generationally, which, by the way, gets embedded into your DNA, your cells, your cellular memory. And so you are acting out a lot of times what was held on to for maybe five, ten generations. And um, so a lot of the methods I work with are working to bypass that conscious mind because a lot of times we don't even know that's the problem. So how can we talk about it? Or some of the things that are the problem in our life is because of what happened in the first six years. So we don't really remember mm-hmm. what we thought about it or what, what truly happened. But we formed our, our perspective and our template, our blueprint at that time, which is what we went out into the world with. And so a lot of times people come in and they, they know they're having these problems in their life. They're having relationship issues,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they don't know that <clears throat> their belief system which was formed very early, or the download of their grandmother and mother to them (laughs) has actually been the real generator of this upset and problem. So I bypass that because when you're working with subconscious, so I do uh, clinical hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. Which is great. Yes, yes. And you're trained in that. Yeah, You you just bypass
0: all that nonsense and Mm -hmm. you get right down deep into the subconscious more immediate change
1: yes and it's so much more powerful
0: mm-hmm.
1: our subconscious is absolutely powerful if we actually start to work with it in a positive way you know how they say that iceberg and that five percent is a conscious thinking and then the 95 percent subconscious thinking mm-hmm. when we raise our frequency and we become higher uh, higher consciousness what we're really doing is lowering that line So that line just gets lowered so that the part of the iceberg that's above the water, now maybe instead of 5% above the water, maybe 15, 20% is. That means your consciousness is so much more. Uh, And what that means, I always say having a higher consciousness is like being on top of a mountain in which you can view everything 360 degrees. Your awareness is very, and you have a sense of expansiveness, like... Like you can breathe. Now, if you have a very low consciousness, it's like, imagine yourself in a wedge, like a fulcrum like this, and Mm -hmm. you're down in the point and you're down there and you're so you're tight. You can't hardly move your head. Um, And so you can't see a way out. You can't see another way. It's dark and it seems hopeless. That's shame, you know? And so when we're raising our consciousness, we're able to see so much more. We parent better. We make better decisions for our, our lives. We don't uh, react as much to people. Mm-hmm. We kind of see everybody is on their own journey. We get it, you know. We're like, okay, you know, I was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of times, I, I, I that's what I think when I see someone doing something. I just remember where I was. and Realize that, yeah, I remember when I was that way and reactive and blaming and thinking other people were doing things and mad at people on the road and. You know, it's it just brings suffering. But you know, I was there.
0: And do you ever look at mothers and and you see a mother in the grocery store with a toddler and a baby, and they're like crying and tearing down stuff. And the Moms are like, "Just get me out of here! <laughs> I
1: like, want to go over there. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go help the child." <laughs> you yeah. know, one of my things I always I'll notice the most is. You have a child, I, this is a classic example of one. You have a child that is strapped into the stroller and they start trying to get out, but the mom's <laughs> busy and the child keeps ramping it up, ramping it up, ramping it up. And I'm watching it going, gosh, you probably should get them out about now and see if you can change things up for them. But mom doesn't pay attention or just says, just sit there, just sit there. We're talking maybe a kid like a year and a half too. Mm-hmm. And um, sure enough, the child will build up into a nice crescendo and really, really have a fit. And then you see the mom get angry at the child. Oh. You know. Mm-hmm. And really what needed to happen was that child needed to be tended to in some way. You know. And
0: Who knows. Um, yeah. Could yeah have given
1: something. Given, given that one or, last <laughs> errand
0: pushed him too far. Yes. Hungry.
1: Hungry. Tired, tired. Whatever it was. The tuning in process is so important. Because, I mean, it's not that that mom doesn't care about her kid. It's that, um, and we were talking about that earlier, it's like when you have so many things to do and you're constantly in your mind and all you're doing is going, 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 doing, 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 and then the kids need to be fed and everything becomes just another thing on your list. And so we lose that that perspective and we lose that moment of connection with our children. And, and if we all can just stop and realize that that child is actually learning in their earliest years their value. Their self-esteem is coming from how they see themselves worth it. So if they're ignored and left to themselves, a child will begin to think that they're not very worthy as a result. They'll actually form that belief. They don't know they did. It's Sometimes if it's very young, they don't even have words for it. That's where the subconscious work helps because um, they don't have language around it. Um, but Do you yeah. have any
0: advice for, for moms? For moms to help prevent um, those feelings for their children?
1: I think that you know you had said something about being a conscious parent.
0: Yeah, being conscious,
1: mm-hmm.
0: being present. I've I have found just being present, not being on my phone, yep. not worried about this, not worried about that literally being present and playing with them and interacting with them and communicating things best I can to them. Yep. Mommy needs to go potty. I will be right back. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And and I, that's exactly uh, it, the, you just tuning in and letting them know I am here because you're worth it. You're worth it. But I, I put my phone down because my time with you is valuable, mm-hmm. kind of like what we want from a partner too. Yeah. You know, if our yeah. partner's always on the phone and never comes home and too busy, too busy, too busy, we start to feel that kind of... Uh, not heard. Yeah, I'm kind of hurt. You're not, not taking yeah. time for me. So that in the earliest years is critical. Now, if you spend that time with your child and give them that message, now, it's different than overindulging. Um, the difference is the attunement process is not necessarily giving them what they want overindulging is uh, coming from a place of pacifying. Uh, I'm going to give you things. I'm going to give you lots of video games. I'm going to give you a new bike. I'm going to give you all the toys you want in the store. Um, but I'm not going to give you me. And that, that actually backfires on parents that I work with will come in, and they're very baffled that they have ungrateful children.
0: When they've been giving them so much mm-hmm. for so long.
1: Yes, and they they don't understand why the children are so grateful because they got so much, and yeah. they that was actually the problem they got so much, so your time is actually more what the children need, and then they actually are, are easier when they get to be uh seven, eight, nine, ten, and up the years mm-hmm. and actually, I feel that the adolescent period is another period to, to pull them closer that that's another period of really tuning in with your kids, really making sure you have good communication.
0: How were your sons for teenagers?
1: I really um I think that they were just amazing. I mean, they made mistakes. I they did things, but for the most part, they they did they just really helped. I remember when I think my I think my son was like two years old and I was working and I was working with these ladies in their fifties. And I remember saying, yes, I, I imagine that my kids when they're teenagers will be helping out in the home that if I can call them on my way home and get them to get dinner started, that they could get dinner started. And they, all three of the ladies just laughed their head off at me. And they said, boy, you have a big lesson to learn. You're going to find out. You're going to find out what it's really like. And I remember when that happened when I remember my kids had the house all together and I call them and ask them to get things going and they, they would get dinner started. They did their own laundry, you know, and I, um, and I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I remember them telling me that wasn't, that was completely ludicrous that I would have kids who would do that. But it was because I would, you know, show them Now I do remember a lot of like showing them how to clean the sink. And it wasn't like all picture perfect because, right. the, you know, like, you know, my son would be like, oh, oh, like, I know, mom, I know, you know, you had this kind of, okay, but I'm going to show you because I want you to know how I want it done. And then come back and check it and, and have them not do it at all.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, like literally didn't do it at all. And then go back and say, you didn't do what I asked you to do. You know, like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, like, so I remember going through that but i would just kind of go back well i'm you can't go and then of course he'd get mad right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i can't believe it like uh, it's fine i said well when you get it done just come and tell me and you know the key by the way is not to get frazzled to when the kids are doing that as long as they're not being disrespectful and rude to you or or obviously not hitting you um trying to break something like those behaviors are definitely the boundaries of Nope. You, now you just lost privileges. You're not going to do that. Okay. But But, um, but kids not liking things to me is normal. Right.
0: What well, kid wants to scrub the sink? Right. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. right. Ooh. I don't,
1: no, I don't I scrub rub rub that want to rub it. That's why you're doing it. Cause <laughs> there's three sinks. Somebody's got to do the third one. So, yeah. So I would just say, you know what, when you get it, you, I would tell them, you could have been playing now if you just cleaned it the way I showed you the first time. So now you have to wait and clean it, clean it again, or clean it the way it's really supposed cleaning. to be. Really, clean it. Yeah, yeah. So what's really cool was when I started to notice how neat they were, like like when after they moved out, after they moved out, mm-hmm. you know, and to see that they're they're pretty clean kids. You know, they're not sops or anything like that. And I remember Jordan saying, Mom, you know, my friend's ha- rooms are, like, really bad. They're like, this is really clean compared to what they had. And I said, oh, really? I said, wow, you know. <laughs> I said, okay, so when are you going to finish your room? <laughs> 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 so I just want you to know that. <laughs> but now my relationship, um, I remember definitely better with Jordan because I went I, when I went back to school, he was younger. So he got more of a more conscious parent, you know, he got more of that than Jake did. Um, But I think that that shifted our relationship because up to that point, I, I, I kind of had a little bit of both. I had this very loving, supportive part of me, but I also had this, this uh crazy japanese mom part of me cuz that's kind of how i was raised and very uh, like get it done now and real strict and kind of you know, like and screaming and so i have that part too that i raised them with and and so they were um and, and just to touch on that if you're raising your kids in that manner your children will either rebel and you'll be very naughty with you and and you'll have more they'll escalate their behavior with you Or they'll get very sneaky and learn how to lie. Mm. Not learn how to lie, but lie well. Mm -hmm. They'll learn how to get around you because they don't want to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And they don't know how to talk to you because you scream at them all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I shifted and realized what I was doing and realized what I was doing with my parenting, I shifted that. They were about, mm, say, about 14, 13, 14, and 18 so seventeen, eighteen. So right in that realm was when I I shifted. Yeah, Jake would have been eighteen, nineteen, I think. So you can see that Jake had most of his childhood with one style of parenting. Jordan had at least the last high school years with a different kind of mom. And I remember overhearing um, somebody say to Jake, uh, one of his friends said, "Yeah, your mom's pretty cool," and I heard him say yeah, you should have seen what she used to be like, you know. So it was—it actually brought a smile to my face because it means it was noticeable that I had changed, you mm-hmm. know. But what it did was it finally started to bring them closer to me and to um, – we were close, but they were still, like, trying to avoid, right, trying to avoid being in trouble. And when I shifted, that opened the door for them to be more open. And so it can – I tell people, you can change and – even if your kids are young adults, you can change and shift your relationship.
0: That's very fascinating to me because I I struggle with that quick temper mm-hmm. often. Yeah, and Coltrane does that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I and I can hear myself kind of losing it. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, "Why are you still freaking out? You know, mm-hmm. tone it down." And he's he's reacting to my to my voice. You can tell the way he's reacting to the pitch of it.
1: Yes. Uh
0: I'd like to know how to stop that. That awareness, it bothers me, and I don't want to continue that. I don't want him to grow up trying to figure out how to get away, get around, and not get in trouble.
1: Yeah, depending on their personality, right? Uh Yeah, absolutely. Well, remember when I said that I wanted to learn how to be a better parent? Because I found myself doing this, and I didn't like it when my mom was doing it, but I just, it was just, I didn't even have a conscious choice it just happened mm-hmm. um how do we stop well i will tell you it was quite a process for me because underneath just that quick temper i also had all my stuff that i'd never dealt with so i had a lot of anger and so that anger was getting but children you know Children are very easy targets for it because they always are doing something that needs to be
0: corrected. corrected.
1: They need to be taught. They, they really are. We,
0: it is so. It makes me so sad to think of it when you put it that way.
1: Yeah, they're always doing something mm-hmm. where you're going to say, okay, get off the furniture or Jordan loved to jump off things, you know, where you have to say, okay, we can't jump off that. So if you don't have your own anger um, understood, like, you don't know what's really brewing down there. Um, it just, you know, there's that natural thing that just spouts off at people. And, and then the child's there. So, so a big part of it is observation of self. And so, so you already have at this observation because you're aware of it. You're like, I know I do this. I am aware of it. Mm-hmm. And so, in the moment that you're immediately, and, and actually, if you can catch it, in the earlier stages. So there's different levels that are usually building. So you might be actually at a very low level, starting to feel somewhat irritated. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I remember Jordan did repetitive sounds, just, just stay on that repetitive sound and, and it would be building in me. And it's kind of funny because it it'd be just like this little he'd be in the back seat with his little ray gun and just he would just be on the ray gun the entire time and it's building and building and building. But I'm not at the early stages going, Oh wow, I'm getting really irritated. And then turn around and say, okay, honey, hand me the gun, you know, and then put it up there, right? That would solve the problem. Mm-hmm. No, I would wait till I get so upset. And then it'd be like, stop with the gun, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like this, now all this stuff comes out, you know. Um, so it's that awareness in the earlier stages when you realize, okay, I'm really starting to get a little irritated here. Um, and then in that moment, as soon as you think that you've, observed yourself and that gives you a little bit of space between the motion you're feeling and and then you've noticed it so it gave you some space of, and that would be when you can start to make choices so you could choose in that moment um well i think i'm having a bad day in whatever sense it is you know maybe some things have happened or i'm tired or i'm hungry mm-hmm. um or he's tired and hungry mm-hmm. and um and then you can hopefully make choices at that point, like the ray gun. Okay, hand me the ray gun, you know. Now, that doesn't mean he may throw a fit because he don't want to give you the ray gun, uh, which might send you back to it <laughs> <laughs> again. But you could just be more aware that, okay, I am feeling this way. Because I think that we have to give ourselves that grace because we're not perfect, you know.
0: Perfection is an illusion. Yeah
1: yeah we're just not going to do it and and we're not supposed to we didn't come here to be perfect we came here to learn and grow so so then the, that then the next thing is to be compassionate with the growing process because that's what we're we're the children on the planet mm-hmm. we're the ones making the mistakes and not and trying to figure it out but if you notice it coming up and that part of you having that power inside of you then you can say what is that what is that anger? What's going on with that? Um, now, also, so there's two parts, right? That's the consciousness to become aware of self. And then there's also that let's just clear it. And that's the parts, the, the work that I like to do is where we start to clear emotions. The psychotherapy still works because in the end, it, to make sense of it is most of us want to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. So usually that, that's kind of what the, so I'm still doing, the psychotherapy piece because I'm still helping people integrate the new them because when they start to release up all of this stuff, they uh, still have the habit of how they used to be. And so integrating the new person who doesn't feel that way and given them um validation that they're on the right track is, is part of the therapy process. So that's why, because you'll have practitioners who can just do that work, but they're not therapists. So they can do all that releasement, but they don't do the integration piece. That's where I think the value of having an integrative therapist, because of that, that extra piece is, is valuable in getting it to stay and, and to know why, you know, you, so, you know, it's funny when you say that, because I don't think I've ever seen you mad.
0: Oh, yeah, I get mad every day. You really? Probably, yeah. Oh, huh. yeah. I'm learning to embrace my anger. I'm just now in a point where I'm like, yeah, I, I can be mean. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to be mean, and I'm allowed to be angry. Yeah, exactly. they're gonna go. They're gonna come, and they're gonna go.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in fact, with emotions. Um, You're right. Because some people say, I need to control my anger. And the first thing I'll say is, it's not actually controlling anger that is the goal. It's actually understanding it. So it's an emotion that we are born with. We have all the range of emotions. Every human being in every culture, every nation has emotions. It's a human trait. And every gender. Because sometimes little boys are taught that they can't have their sensitive feelings and they can't cry and feel sadness and so that shut down very early in boys um and then they're expected to have empathy for their wives when their wives have sadness um so that becomes a, a problem in relationships because boys weren't lot, taught how to have their emotions they were said you're being a sissy don't be a little girl and they were shamed and and literally i i've worked with men who have no memory of ever having their feelings um yeah, it's crazy. It's um,
0: mind-blowing. It's just because it's so true and it's so present. And-,
1: mm-hmm. and it hurts the relationship because what we did was, um, you know, society, I won't just blame parents, society itself trained boys to um, disassociate, disavow this part of them. And then they forgot that that's a part of their humanness that is needed in relationships. And, um, so men often are baffled on what to do if their wife is having these really vulnerable feelings. And that's why you'll often have them go to a fix it. Why don't you just do this
0: mm-hmm. or
1: just do that or just do here, here, here's, here, just do something with that. So I don't know what to do with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that when we understand our emotions and we embrace them as okay, then, then we can start to work with what's going on. But as long as we think like you say, oh, that's a bad part of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to be that. And we start to push away a part of us, then we don't get to really look at it. Look at that anger. Okay. Ooh, I'm, oh, I'm now man, I'm mad. What's going on? You know, and now we can really start to understand what am I believing? Usually the question is, what am I believing is true? And really it comes down to feeling unimportant, not valued, not cared for. So those are ways that you can start to say, is what is there another reason that might be, be happening if it's someone else? Or, you know, um, what am I making it mean about me is another way to look at it. Like, what what am I thinking it means? Usually it comes down to some basic pieces. Uh, worthiness, love, lovability, valued, importance, you know, acknowledgement. Those are the key things that people tend to have reactions out of. When we feel that we're not, getting that we will react and um and but if you know that if you know that that's usually the reactions coming from that then you can try to follow it back so you go okay oh okay what am i (laughs) feeling it means you know and then you can try to follow it you Mm -hmm. know back and then you if you can say it i'm really not feeling cared for right now i'm not feeling or if it's a kid you know you can't do it with your kids but you can just Usually it's not the kids not feeling, sometimes it is. Sometimes you think, I don't feel valued. You know, I'm just, all I do is clean diapers and feed you guys. And, you know, and, and that's when you need to go out with a girlfriend.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, it's usually not my kids, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's, it's other things that are annoying me because I can't, I'm not in control of those things. Yeah. And so whatever's happening right in front of me annoys that it's not even it. I react I react not the way I should be reacting, I guess. Yeah. But what I do is at least I'm like, I'm sorry, mommy yelled at you. Mm-hmm. I was having a bad day, having a bad moment. I love you so much, and I usually like touch him or hug him, mm-hmm. and he like hugs me back, and he's yeah. like, okay, mommy, <laughs> and he like forgives me, and yeah. it, like, it's like it breaks my heart that I even have to do that, but at least I like will come back and be like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> will you forgive me for doing that? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's really, you're showing empathy. Yeah, I mean, you're teaching him that we make mistakes and then we can say we're sorry. You know, and then what you can do on your own is try to try to do your own understanding of self. You know, I like what you said earlier. is like being able to embrace that. I get angry sometimes, you know, and it's still, I'm still human.
0: You know? A lot of people don't like to see, maybe not just me, but I've noticed women. Get upset, be mm-hmm. angry, be mean, mm-hmm. be bitchy. And I feel like that's a big part of my nature. And it might not come off that way because I'm very calm and cool. But that is a that's my shadow side, that's my dark side, and all of us have those sides. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just feel very in tune with her um sometimes. I just, you know, I'm not like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's more of a private Um, when I notice that I am going into kind of that shadow self, I like that shadow self and I don't scare away from it. I more kind of protect and maybe, or don't let other people see that side of me Mm -hmm. for my own reasons. I'm not sure, but
1: yeah, it's, um, well, I mean, I think that that's why we kind of keep it in the shadows because we don't want that people to think that because we don't know their judgment, right? How are they going to judge you? Um, and the more that you trust someone, the more you let them into your world and say, okay, guess what? Here I have this part of me. You know, like, okay, here, let me take it out of the closet. And you know, it's <laughs> like, here here's it my is. Skeleton. Here I am. You still love me? <laughs> um, and that's why, you know, you have a good friend because they're like, I still love you. I don't care, you know, because it, we, we get it. They get us. And, you know, and then just to know that we're all on a journey. Really, we're all here to, you know, have you ever heard of that idea that we, choose to come here to the planet
0: oh definitely
1: and we choose to have this experience we we kind of plan it all out
0: yeah it's sick
1: i know why would we do that so <laughs> why do we ex-
0: want this human experience <laughs> and some
1: of them are really gnarly mm-hmm. i had an explanation um that i read recently and it was about the idea so uh, planet earth is a planet of duality and so why we come here we actually it's like the vacation planet we're going to experience duality because the soul grows so much from these extremes of experiences and and so when we finally do have you know we cross over or we go back into our true self we we actually are are learning from those experiences that were actually the most toughest pieces that we went through so Yeah. So that being said, you know, whenever, um, well, sometimes I joke because I'm like, okay, I'm tired learning. (laughs) I don't want to learn anymore. But if we can embrace it, (laughs) it's like, am I done yet? Um, But if we can embrace that piece of it to say, okay, I'm going through something here because I'm really learning something through this experience. So when you have your anger um, you're learning something through that. There's a part of you that ha- chose to have this happen, to have that experience, and so it may be to embrace that part of you and to say it's okay, um, and then it might diffuse it. Sometimes when it's almost by saying it's okay, it all it loses its energy, and then we can and then we can actually learn to how to regulate that regulation piece. It's interesting. It's the first step is that observer part is what I've learned. I mean, because I really, I felt like I was a rageaholic because when I got into it, like when I was screaming, I just fed on it. It felt like an energy that was like feeding me. And I, because I could like, I had like the attorney mind that could come up with all the reasons why I'm, I'm justified in, in being angry and I would just get on it and, and bring up everything that justified my anger and, um, so I could stay on it for a long time. Um, I, I tell my husband now that I say, wow, you got the best of me because, you know, my ex-husband, you know, he had that young, uh, unregulated part of me that was, I had no clue, you know, other than, um, and, but he also was my lesson, right? And he chose, I chose someone who I would play that out with. So, yeah, it's a, well, uh come over and we'll do some emotion code. That's we'll the releasing of emotions. I kind of, sometimes when you release off the emotions a little bit, it kind of allows you to, it doesn't have as much of intensity. And so it's kind of nice to, to work that way.
0: Yeah. That's a big thing for me right now. I would say it's, it's funny that you're even bringing it up because I didn't realize how big it was until you set up. I, I used to be a rageaholic. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel, and, um, that relates it's you know it sits with me
1: yeah yeah and to still be so you're a good mom because you realize like honey i love you so i was still a good mom you know and doing the best i can i'm doing the best i can and then i had this part of me that when i got mad like and it wasn't i never i was never the kind of mom that would say mean things to my children you know i never because you stupid or why'd you do that or really get into them about who they are but just like angry that they didn't pick up all the toys on the floor you know like get all the toys back up you know like something like that you know it was yeah jordan brought up the uh, the other day he was talking about when he arrived we went on a family trip to hawaii and we got to the airport and he didn't have shoes on i literally did not have shoes how old was he he was probably about six
0: Okay. Six years old. Oh, I thought you were going to say like 15 or something. No, no.
1: By then we had trained him to put his shoes on. (laughs) By the time he got in the car, we'd be like, you got your shoes? (laughs) I mean, to have to say that to a child, every time you get the car, you got your shoes? And, uh, but no, we didn't tell him that time. You got your shoes. We we're on a rush, trying to get in the car, trying to get down to the airport. And we get there, and oh my gosh, my son does not have any shoes. Zero. no, Nothing in the suitcase. Nothing we can put on. No extra shoes. I don't know why we didn't have flip-flops. Oh, they could not wear flip-flops. They, we were we had a special thing that we had to, he had to have closed shoes. And so we put his little tiny feet in his father's shoes. Did I ever tell you the story? No. And we stuffed it with all kinds of stuff. We stuffed it. He, he wore the size 10 shoes on his little six year old self. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But he talked about it. He goes, Boy mom, you were kind of mad then, weren't you? I was like, I couldn't even scream. I was so mad. You know, I was just like so mad, I was just like, I'm going to faint. I'm so mad. But and now it's a funny story. And that's another point about parenting. What you think is super important. Is not that important. It's
0: not important.
1: Mm-mm. No. I was
0: going to say, if you asked Jordan what he, if he could remember what he was doing leading up to you guys leaving, it would not even anything in the shoe zone mm-hmm. at all, you know, la-da-da. Da, yeah, he was playing. Doing this, doing that, you know, and here moms are, dads are, long to-do list, packing list, doing this. it's mm-hmm. so much preparation for yeah. traveling.
1: Yeah, yep yep exactly we're stressed out it's we had so, so much to do we had to get there on time but in the end um, if you could remember and, and even for our life you know when we talk about coming here to experience duality you know like remembering that it's like what we're, don't take this so seriously it's really what is this all about it's about love connection Really, and shining your light and loving you, self-care, self-love, self-forgiveness, so that you are, you know, your light is shining. And when your light is shining and you're expressing your light and whatever you're here to do, then you're affecting other people. You're lifting them up. And all of a sudden now you have a better world because what pe- everybody's doing that. Think about it. If everybody cared about one another enough to make sure they're okay, what kind of planet would we have? A beautiful planet. Right? And so that's all we're here to do. So then the rest of the stuff is all about, oh, we got to make enough money so we can pay for the house, so we can pay for the bills, so we pay for the charge cards, so we pay for Christmas, you know, and we get ourselves wound up in all this stuff. But um, if you if you can just relax and say, you know what, in the grand scheme of everything, this is not that important. So when I look back on that shoe thing with going on a trip. I probably at this point, if it happened to me again, I'd just kind of say, "Okay, well, uh, you got it." Okay, you know, or let's buy some shoes or, whatever, you know, <laughs> you know. It just we would have just worked through it. So there's less worry when you start to realize that it's okay.
0: Living in the in the present moment with your children, there's so much less worry. So much more stuff rolls off your back, yeah. and things just seem to go so much more smoothly. You have. Not only are you connecting with your children, you're connecting with people around you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so much better. Yeah. R- richly.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's that's filling us up. That's actually like energizing it us. It
0: is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It's fulfilling.
1: Yeah. And all of a sudden, all you did was go to the park, but you had this great conversation with this wonderful person. The kids made friends. Uh, you come home and you just kind of feel like, what happened? I just feel really good. You know, and so we start to start to focus on the materialism, the getting, uh, the comparisons to others, the judgment of others or judgment of ourselves. Right. And we start to just accept everything. Traffic jam. If you get in a traffic jam, just take it as an opportunity to either listen to some great music, have a great conversation with someone in the car or call someone Bluetooth.
0: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: and that's it how much i let go of stress that i i was always stressed out about like something like a traffic jam i had no control over and i would get so stressed out about it and then it would always work out it was weird like if i was late and then it would be like oh that's i so glad you were late because i was running late
0: too i've noticed that too mm-hmm. um i like to think Sometimes I get anxiety about traveling and not Mm -hmm. being somewhere on time, even though I'm very rarely ever on time. I'm trying so hard to be on time, but I'm not actually on time, Mm -hmm. but the anxiety is still there. And what I like to think is that that truck that pulled out in front of me, that red light or whatever it is that's preventing me from being on time Mm -hmm. is just saving me because it could be I missed a horrible accident or whoever i'm meeting or whoever i'm talking to needed that extra time too or things have to like keep falling in place and when you don't have that tunnel vision on of just getting there and screwing everybody on the road or however it is you're driving and Mm -hmm. you just kind of let the lights be let the car be Mm -hmm. let everybody around you be i like to think that that's for a reason yeah Does that make sense
1: Uh, totally i do i do believe that I just believe everything is happening in the p- perfect order and the way it needs to be. And I'm just accepting that. And so I'm going, oh, okay, I guess I'm su- this is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And when you really, really believe that, you start to notice that things that seem to be problems don't stress you out. A friend invited me to go to Cabo, San Lucas. Mm-hmm. When we got to the airport... We had to wait a minute while the um, shuttle driver had other people meet up, and we had just sat down, and then he called us over and said, and he kind of took off. So we got our bags and we start following him. And about 15 minutes in into the 45 minute drive to the resort, I realized I'd left my purse right there outside of the uh, airport at the bar. There's a bar outside, and had my passport and all my money and had my tablet and everything was in there. Mm -hmm. And I remember from the point to the got there to the concierge to help, have them help me find it. And all the way to the point we'd had to hire another, we had to hire somebody to take us back. Afterwards I realized I had not felt one ounce of stress. I just was sitting there kind of no, no anxiety, no worry I was, I just thought ahead, like, okay, I want, if I can't, if I lost it, I need to stop my cards and, you know, those type of things. Like I knew I was going to, I knew I was going to take up my vacation time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but I was, hmm. so yeah.
0: Why do I, that, just you telling me that story stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> like the idea of leaving, you know, your, all your stuff Everything, there. yeah, yeah. Um.
1: I don't know. I just because I'm I'm living this now, I'm really living this and I and I know it after things happen. You know, like after this recent fire scare, I I realized oh, I didn't feel any stress. I didn't feel any fear of losing. Now that doesn't mean that if I had lost everything, that there wouldn't be a feeling around it. Like right. I wouldn't be sad or miss things that I might have wanted to keep. But I I didn't feel any fear of losing them, you know. And so, but I think that that's also living in the present. So in the present, I was fine. I was safe and I was with my family. So I then I had no need to feel the worry. So with my purse being in the present was that we didn't know if my purse would not be found.
0: So what's the point in stressing about right.
1: it? Cause I might find it and then it's just like I did and everything would be okay. You found it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They somebody found it and took it to security. And I actually. I actually called on Archangel Michael to just go over and protect it.
0: Tell me a little bit about Archangel. Yeah. You're, you're into this. Yeah. You mentioned this before. You've done some readings with me.
1: Yeah. You know, I just believe in terms of, okay, so I did not grow up with angels in terms of religion. So I didn't have any knowledge about them other than what you might see or hear, um, you know, in, you know, book or talk. For some reason, someone introduced that to me, uh, uh, in Sedona one year when I was doing a retreat. And there was all kinds of synchronicities that happened around Archangel Michael that trip, which made me, can I get my attention? Right. Because, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is really interesting. Then I started to call upon Archangel Michael on certain things. And I found that like immediately, like the next day would happen. Like whatever it was, like if I asked for So I started to feel more and more like that there was this real connection to this angelic realm. I just think there's, if people don't believe in the idea of angels, that there is this very high frequency beings of light. Mm -hmm. Very, very high frequency beings of light who choose to be here with us on this plane. And all we have to do is ask. All mm-hmm. we have to do is call upon them to guide us and to help us in the moments. And I feel like I got a real example of how if you ask for help, you'll be. Um, and I do that now if I get scared.
0: Do you, Yeah, I was going to say, do you ask for protection from him? Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, do you? Do you call upon that energy?
0: I wouldn't say Michael, but I do call on energy for mm-hmm. protection for myself. That's actually... Just my foundation of my mom and being Mm -hmm. religious, and she always prays before we go on a long journey, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. somewhere in the car or somewhere where there's been some anxiety, and then we're getting ready to leave for that. There's always a prayer. My my mom's side of the family has always done that. Yeah, yeah. So I find myself protecting. So when we left for our vacation, I protected the whole family. I just said something Mm -hmm. out loud, probably didn't even know. What I was saying, but I was just mm-hmm. ch- protecting us and the journey there. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I just believe in that. I believe it just sets the intention that you're you're um, you're you're looked over and. But yeah, yeah. I, uh, I do believe in calling upon guides. I each of us have our our counsel, our guides that are kind of like our have been our best friends in the spirit world, and really have decided to. Be on the journey with you. You have your you have a spirit guide. You have many guides probably, and so they're another form of beings. But guides typically are ones that have had many lifetimes with you and have been on the earth plane as well on some level, and maybe have ascended to a place that they don't come back to do it anymore. And so they just they understand this world. They understand when we're. We feel like everything's all messed up, and I hate it. And you know, and they're just really compassionate with us. They understand. Where I don't believe the angelic realm has been on the planet and lived existences in in hu- human form.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's the difference. If you would think, what's the difference between that?
0: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
1: So you can call on guides, you can call on your archangels, and you can call on beings of light, um, which are just again ascended. You know, this goes into thinking that there are other planets, other galaxies, other universes, and that there are different levels of ascending uh, ascension for each, you know, each galaxy, and that you know that they they just are living in a whole different paradigm. I mean, we don't even—I don't think we can even grasp.
0: No, it's incomprehensible, right? How do you you deal with being in tune with your spirituality? And pursuing that side, along with maybe family members that aren't into it. Yeah, how's that balance? Well, for the
1: longest time, I I wanted my boys to be in it with me. I wanted them to to really get this because I knew from the way they were all their life that they were already, you know, like I wanted them to awaken it. Like I want you guys to awaken, right? Mm-hmm and i was kind of frustrated i was always saying oh check this out oh check this out and they're like yeah, yeah yeah this came on and then i realized that um you know we can't you know we, we force we can't many. force it yeah everybody's right. got to choose so i believe in sending energy i believe in sending your angels and sending your guides to talk to their guides and just work with that and just say well you just allow this right and then all of a sudden these boys come up to me and go oh yeah all of a sudden they show interest or they start to teach me about something and and they're totally on board with everything now and then my husband who was like the polar opposite of me he'd grown up very um traditional mm-hmm. but which can be very close minded too mm-hmm. because you know your traditions kind of keep us in one way and and so you know i always kept what i did separate of him because if i i couldn't have conversations with him i still can't to some degree but he is so much further along that I ever, ever would have thought of. Again, I just leave it up to your guides and angels to actually, you just send them to work with them. Or you can actually send the energy through your mind's eye to them. If you just bring light into their body and just continue to bring light into them, surround them with light, bring the light as a form of just, that's their awakening when they access their light. So, Mm-hmm. <laughs> women women are the ones who awaken the men. And uh sometimes we get these awakened men. That's really cool too. But uh, by and large women are awakening sooner mm-hmm. and faster and we are bringing our men with us um if they choose, you know. But if they aren't, I this is what I've anybody who's out there who is actually struggling because they know they're awakening and they feel they are drawn to things to learn and grow, um do it. Don't hold yourself back. Go ahead and and explore the things that you and you know that you need to and don't try to make your partner uh, understand it or believe in it let them be where they're at um share you know here and there to test ever so often to see if they're interested invite ever so often to see if they'll come but so you know those little those little shifts Mm -hmm. will happen um but the less that you are attached to that being the more they're they're going to come along but if you try to get them to do it they're going to resist. So it's better to just allow, continue to check in to see if they're interested, share a little bit here and there. But um, some people never, you know, they have an entire lifetime. They never wake up.
0: They will eventually. And not this lifetime. Yeah. I I mean, like eventually in many lifetimes. Yes. Yeah. Their time may not be now. Do you have any closing advice for mothers, any weekly or daily recentering that you did? with your children when they were younger because your children are adults now?
1: Well, um, I have things that I definitely would do with them now if they were young. Um, I didn't do this. I believe that we all need to be meditating. is absolute must. And children can be taught to do it, um, and the sooner that they learn that it is a daily practice, the same as they do with their daily hygiene, The better for them so I think um, the research is showing children who know how to meditate who are able to become very mindful have less anxiety less depression better focus in school better memory less hyperactivity a lot of that ADHD symptoms will will be reduced um, with meditation now, parents who meditate are better parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we just we're just not as reactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not um, what, well. What it does so going into meditation, meditation is t- training the mind and giving it a job. And our mind is like a wild horse and will do what it wants and has for most of our life. And so, like a wild stallion, be- beautiful to behold, but you can't ride it. You can't do anything with it. And the same thing with the mind, the mind that is without limits and without um, boundaries will actually lead us down the road of anxiety, um, judgment, suffering, because just constantly we'll think about the same thing all the time. We loop around these thoughts. We don't let go of the thoughts. And if the thoughts are negative, then we suffer. And so the way out is to learn how to still the mind. And the only way to still the mind is to let go and and allow yourself to be in the space of nothing. And so what you're doing is you're allowing the thoughts to come in, just like the emotions. You say, oh, there's my thought again, and then you come back. The more you do that, the more consistent your practice is, the more that it will be easier, and that space grows. And pretty soon you meditate for maybe 15 minutes, but it feels like two. My advice is to start with a maybe a two-minute practice. To, uh, daily meaning the consistency is actually more important Mm -hmm. and then increase it soon as two minutes feel like they went went by really quickly you can i also advise starting with guided meditations because they give your mind something to attune to Uh, but eventually move into just music or or sounds and then eventually see if you can move into just silently sitting and being
0: that's good advice and starting off with just silence.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so hard because then we get frustrated with our mind. So guided meditations, then moving into nature sounds or music, and then moving into silence. Going from two minutes, put the timer on your phone so you don't have to think about what time it is, and, um, set aside a time that you do that. And then with little kids, like, so your little ones are, your youngest is too young probably to be able to get to sit like that. Um, the Coltrane might be able to sit, but there's no, when he's this young, you allow him to kind of sit and learn. But at the same time, if he gets up, if long as he knows to allow you to sit, then it's okay. But what he'll do is he'll be observing you, uh, practicing. And then pretty soon he'll learn how to sit more and more. And two minutes for a child, you know, is usually not so bad. And if he can't, you can teach him that, uh, say, if he doesn't want to just sit and practice, then he can just sit quietly and wait for you. And then that'll still teach him to be silent for a moment. I don't have a lot of um, techniques for children, something I haven't looked into as much. I haven't worked with children and specifically taught parents how to do it with kids.
0: That's good advice. I've been meditating um, by myself. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought to bring the kids into that and start teaching. Yeah. I like that a lot.
1: Yeah. And then they kind of see it as this is what we do. Mm-hmm. But okay. certainly by the time as he gets older, especially around school school age, it'll be good because um, that'll help him in school a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would have really helped my boys with staying focused. And, mm-hmm. But Jake's a huge meditator. He does. Yeah. He was the one who kept saying, "Mom, meditate, mom, meditate." <laughs> he was telling me because he'd see me frazzled running around and everything. Mm-hmm. So the more you're, the more busy you are, the more you need to meditate. I know that sounds like it goes against it, but it's because when you meditate with that busy schedule, because you get frazzled, you actually don't work as uh, efficiently. And when you are focused, you actually will get the same amount of, or you'll get more work done in the same amount of time. Because you're just more focused and and you can, you know, you don't mess up as much.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So the more frazzled you are, the more busy you are. So that would be the number one thing to do.
0: That's a huge synchronicity for me right now. Because that's something that I'm making myself do every day. Mm. Thank you so much for having this conversation with us today. I feel a lot of people needed to know this information that isn't readily available for a lot of people. It's
1: been just such fun. That's the best fun I've had in a long time. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this connection. If you want to continue the conversation or if you have any questions, you can check out our Facebook page. It's Connectionhood. Thanks for listening. Ciao for now.